I never would have been able to do any of the jobs that I've done without the support of my family. My mom is the first person that comes to mind because, again, I go back to even being a kid and driving to those auditions. I was 13. It was my mom taking the time out of her day to drive me to and from Toronto. We were coming from Mississauga. There was often bumper-to-bumper traffic. I had four other siblings who were also pursuing their own dreams. Like my, both my brother and my older sister were national athletes. Um, my younger sisters, they both, like everyone played a varsity sport. So everyone was involved in different extracurricular activities. And my parents, <laughs> amazingly, I thank them to this day, were able to balance it all. And as you say, it's a network of people that really help your dreams come true. And I also think that's why it's so important to try and get back to the next generation as much as possible. And I'm still young, but I see people up and coming and, you know, to realize, rely on those ahead of you and also try and help those who are trying to walk the path that you've helped carve. Welcome everybody to this week's episode. We really appreciate you joining us. This podcast really shows us how we can all learn, live and thrive off of each other. By sharing our knowledge through our conversations, we will impart some knowledge whilst learning ourselves how to progress even further. Here is your host. Well, I am the middle child in a family of five. So I'm smacked between two on each side, and I come from a really tight-knit family. Grew up in Mississauga, so not Mm -hmm. too far from Hamilton. Grew up in a family that loved sports, was hyper-competitive. And I came out to Hamilton when I attended McMaster University, which seems like a long time ago and yesterday, all at the same time. So to be back on campus today, I'm just hit with a wave of nostalgia. It's so nice. I drove by Dalewood. That was my student home. I passed by, you know, the student union and the underground and all the memories coming back, which is nice. What made you get into broadcasting from, because I I was reading a bunch of interviews. I had to do a bunch of research uh, for the show today. So uh, you said that you wanted to get into broadcasting early on. So Mm -hmm. what was that? Like, where did that fire come from? I've always been curious. And I love people. I love people's stories. I love storytelling. And I'd say my two main passions growing up were sports and I also loved theater. So I got involved in theater and film at a really young age. Mm-hmm. When I was probably six or seven, my mom would take me to auditions for local theater plays and, you know, was acting and dancing and singing and all of that. And then when I was about 13, I got involved in television work and loved it. It wouldn't have been possible without my mom who was driving me to auditions <laughs> all the time. Again, not easy when she has four other children. Right. And in addition to that, I played sports for as long as I can remember. And it sounds a little bit cheesy, but I love everything sports stands for and all the characteristics you can take from sport, whether that be determination, teamwork, learning how to fail, mm-hmm. learning how to lose with grace, um, mentors, coaches. Like I love everything that sports stands for. So I think once I knew I loved broadcasting and that I wanted to do that as a career, um, there was a point probably actually within my first year at McMaster that I knew I wanted to start veering towards sports and, and do that as my mm-hmm. career. And as you mentioned, I had worked at Family Channel for a long time. So I knew I loved interviewing people. And again, I go back to just being really curious. I was always trying to figure out why people do what they do, mm-hmm. what motivates them, what inspires them, and and hear their story. And is it like when, when you started interviewing people about their life, did that 
affect you in a way that you, you would uh, apply um, those experiences to your own life, like the stuff you've heard from interviewing people? Absolutely. I think you're constantly learning from everyone you talk to. And I don't know if it's a quote or what someone said once before, but they're like, if you're ever bored in a conversation, the problem's you. It's not the other person because you can always learn from someone no matter what their walk in life looks like. And that's what I think you can apply to any individual you're interviewing, whether it be an athlete, whether it be a musician, an actor, a scientist, you name it. Like everyone has such a unique story and they've been influenced by their own background, similar to what you're doing here, right? We're peeling back the layers. And I think everyone has such a fascinating story to share. (laughs) So you ended up doing communication and film at Mac. Mm -hmm. So why, why'd you come to, why, why Mac out of everything? There were a few factors. So I took a year off after high school and I deferred my acceptance to McMaster University. Mm -hmm. In my final year of high school, I knew what my big dream was. And that was, I would have love to work in broadcasting, but at the same time, I knew how extremely difficult it was. And I was still a little confused as well what I wanted to pursue. I applied to communications programs. I applied to be a pilot at a few schools. <laughs> That's new. Uh, oh, yeah. Uh, applied to business schools. Similar to probably a lot of high school students, mm-hmm. you're a little frozen and you don't necessarily know what the next step is is. And it was my brother who suggested, why don't you defer your acceptances, give yourself a little bit of time and truly figure out what it is you want to do. So I set a bit of a timeline for myself. And I said, I'm going to give myself this one year when I've deferred my acceptance to see if I can make broadcasting work or at least get the ball rolling. And I'd been auditioning at the time for probably about five years. Again, I'd been working in television since I was about 13 years old. And that was probably when my first really big break came when I got the job as the host of the Family Channel. I ended up working there probably for about five and a half years. But that first year we did a show called Popcorn Picks. It was a weekly segment and it was such fantastic experience because mm-hmm. you were diving into a national television program. You got these great interviews with all these young up and coming family and Disney Channel stars. We got to travel to New York and to Hollywood. I had a phenomenal producer I worked with who was so instrumental in just teaching me and helping develop my career. And during that year, it helped me not only realize this is what I want to do long term, but it also helped me figure out, okay, Mac is going to be a good fit for me because it had the communications program. So Mm -hmm. I did the double major in communications and film. So I got the best of both worlds. Mm -hmm. And then simultaneously, I was so passionate about sports and I knew I wanted to continue playing lacrosse. Mm -hmm. And I played varsity lacrosse while I was at Mac. So that was wonderful. And a huge factor as well was that Mac was close enough to Toronto that I could still continue working with Family Channel full time. Right. So what was really nice is they have the go train, yep. like the bus to the go train right on campus. Yep. So after class, I would hop right in the bus. I'd get downtown probably in just over an hour and then I could mm-hmm. go to work. And otherwise, there were certain campuses I just could never have done both. So mm-hmm. I was able to get my university education while simultaneously still playing lacrosse and continuing my work at family. So right. it was a beautiful trifecta. <laughs> yeah. So, so you went to Mac even though when you were still at Family Channel. Yes. So did you ever consider for a second, because Family Channel is big, Mm -hmm. right? So did you ever consider for a second skipping school and just, you know, just doing Family Channel and just, you know, because education can be a bit of a pain in the butt. (laughs) Uh, But so I'm guessing I'm just putting myself in your shoes and Mm -hmm. I'm thinking that if I was a host of a show on on a big channel, I wouldn't consider going to school. So what what made you make that step to get into... Like you said, you said said Mac had a great program Mm -hmm. for communications. Yeah, the thought definitely crossed my mind. Mm -hmm. 
I would say, though, I do place great value on education and the value of a good education. McMaster, of course, is a very strong school. And I also know that the broadcasting world has a level of uncertainty to it. I've had a lot of success and I'm really thankful for that. And I've worked really hard to get to where I am today. Mm -hmm. At the same time, I'm very aware things can change at the drop of a hat. And I knew that if I got that base of that four-year double major under my belt, no one can ever take that away. And what I would be able to learn from that and use that for whatever opportunity may come up down the road. Mm -hmm. And my communications and film degree has been so beneficial for other jobs. There Mm -hmm. was a time when I was figuring out what my next step in broadcasting would be. And I did work in communication roles. I was the community outreach coordinator at McMaster the year after graduation. So that's Mm -hmm. a perfect example. And then I did comms for the Pan Am Games. So I've definitely been able to use my university experience. And that helped me, I think, as well in developing my broadcasting skills. Wow. And how did you come by lacrosse? So you played lacrosse at NAC, right? I did, yeah. yes. So how did that experience, whole experience uh, shape you as a person? I was a little late in coming <laughs> to lacrosse. I played every sport under the sun growing up. You name it, I probably played it at some point. And for the long time, soccer was my main sport. <laughs> I played that up until about grade nine. And I thought I was always going to continue soccer and play soccer in high school, play soccer in university. And then the lacrosse coach actually appro- approached me rather in grade nine and he was like, I want you to come out to lacrosse tryout. Um, if you don't like it, you can go back to soccer, but just come out and try it. Mm-hmm. And sure enough, day one, put the stick in my hands. I <laughs> fell in love instantly. And I was like, OK, forget about soccer. We're, we're switching over to lacrosse. And yeah, the rest is kind of yeah. that guy just played all the time. I ended up playing for Team Ontario during high school oh, wow. um, and then came to Mac and the I played here for four years. Wow. It was a Team Ontario at Summer Games or... Was that? Um, so that we would have been, oh gosh, <laughs> rewinding the clock here. <laughs> we would have been, so it's, lacrosse is kind of a little different. We went to like right. the world championship where the national team competes and then Team Ontario, we would play other countries. So we played like Australia and England. Mm-hmm. And it's funny how they do it. Like you're a provincial team, but you're still playing national teams just because the way lacrosse is bigger in certain countries and whatnot. And even in, in Canada, North America, lacrosse is really big on the East Coast. Like you go to some of the schools, um, Northwestern is big, Colgate's big. But then on the West Coast, people don't play field lacrosse as much. Right. So it definitely has its pockets. And thankfully, my high school was a really big lacrosse school. Mm-hmm. And we had some fantastic coaches who, who really have grown a really strong base of lacrosse players there. Wow. Like what sports did you play in high school? Okay, let's see. <laughs> I played field hockey. <laughs> I was a cross-country runner. I did alpine skiing. I did cross-country skiing one year. Mm-hmm. Uh, lacrosse was, of course, the main sport. I feel like I'm probably missing something. Oh, played badminton, played squash. Wow, so it's everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I played, yeah. <laughs> like, so there was a sport in each season, and then sometimes I'd get – a little bored of one sport and I'm like next season I'm gonna try this instead <laughs> like for instance I always did alpine skiing and then my last year I decided to switch it up and do cross-country skiing mm-hmm. but that's the nice thing about high school you can try a whole bunch of different sports definitely you're not limited to just one did you ever like at some point consider being a professional athlete when you were playing lacrosse I wish I wish that would have been <laughs> such a lovely dream unfortunately for women's lacrosse there's a bit of a, a ceiling and I'd say being on the national team is about as high as you can go you go down to the states and get mm-hmm. a scholarship or you could try and get involved in coaching and I did look at a few schools for scholarships mm-hmm. um, at the end of high school but again my big dream was working in broadcasting and 
I knew that I wanted to stay in Canada so I could continue working for the Family Channel. So that influenced my decisions. Because during that year where I deferred my acceptance to Mac, I also did look at a few schools in the States. But that Mm -hmm. was ultimately the decision I made. And I'm really thankful that I did. And I still got to play four years of lacrosse at McMaster University. And, you know, being on a varsity team is the best thing ever. It's this instant family. You're all waking up at 6 a.m. to do morning rides together, and you're yeah. griping about it the whole time. Exciting, 6 a.m. They are, yeah. <laughs> they, they come early. You think a morning class is early? <laughs> 6 a.m. runs are early. Um, but at the same time, like, those are some of the, the best university memories I have. Right. When you graduated um, from Mac with communications and film, you worked as a community outreach coordinator at the... Uh, CFMU, I'm thinking. Right here (laughs) in this very building, this very room. (laughs) Right. So how was that? How was the whole experience? So you worked at CFMU for one year? Yes. So how was that whole experience? Walk us through, like, the what did you learn and... How did we? How did CFW at the time help you to get where you are um, oh, at the time? They were instrumental in my career success. At the time, it was a brand new position, so it gave me so much freedom to create my own role. And I like to dream really big. Jamie Tennant will probably <laughs> tell you firsthand that I kind of came in and like hit the ground running. Right. <laughs> He's like, "Hey, you can uh, you can take it a little slower if you want." <laughs> I'm like, "No, this is great." I'm like eight interviews a day. Da, 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 da. Wow. Um, not that many, I exaggerate. But again, <laughs> there was so much freedom with this role to make it your own. And as you know, the resources available here are incredible. And you can book the studio anytime. You can Whatever, come, yeah. you have a professional radio studio to, to have any guest in. And I always say, too, you'd be surprised. Sometimes you just shoot out an email into the dark. And you're like, they're never going to reply. And sure enough, you have this awesome guest sitting across from you. Right now. And yeah. the, well, okay, I'm, <laughs> no, I'm not talking to myself at all. I'm talking about the people I used to interview. Um, but we right. got some really big names. And I think... At the same time, CFMU was a place where I could learn so much and everyone, no matter what career they ultimately pursue, needs that place where they can make mistakes and learn and fall on their face and get back up. And this was a safe place, I think, for me just to refine my craft, figure out what I was good at, what needed work, um, and, and doing those reps too, like putting in the practice and the work every single day, I think really honed my craft. And mm-hmm. I got such a wide variety of experience too. Like I was downtown interviewing people who were doing a rally or a book fair, or then we'd have a musician in, and then we'd have a scientist in. Like I got to do so many different interviews. I did the weather. Like mm-hmm. you literally do everything under the sun. I think it really grows your skill set. Right. And you had no experience with radio before getting at, getting into CFMU. I had done a little bit of radio. I did a radio show, a weekly radio show with actually my co-host from Family Channel for about a year, probably. So right. we did that on Sunday nights, which was fun. <laughs> but I had never like done a full-time job at a radio station. So that mm-hmm. was something new. And, you know, I took great pride in trying to grow the volunteer base. And again, I think one of the things I noticed when I was at CFMU was there were so many resources available that a lot of people just weren't aware of. Right. And the number of people like, hey, did you know we have this awesome community radio station? Know, and they're right, like, wait, yeah. what? So it's just getting the word out because once people found out, it was this light bulb went off in their head and they said to themselves, I need to get involved with this. And yeah. I still keep in touch with some of the people I used to work at CFMU with. Um, Marshall Ferguson is a great example. He yep. still works in sports broadcasting. So, uh, you and he credits his career to you. I, I've had his interview. <laughs> Which uh, <laughs> is very kind of him. I kind of, I think... 
gave him some heat once as a joke, and maybe now he just does it. No, but but Marsh is so talented, and I started here doing mm-hmm. my morning sports radio program. Mm-hmm. And I, if I remember correctly, I think it was Monday morning, 8 a.m. Um, so I'd come in down to the studio all by myself. I'd ride my bike, and I'd put together my show notes, and I would bring in everyone, badminton players and squash players and basketball and volleyball and football, and just tried to cover – every single sport. Mm-hmm. And again, that was a place, it was the introductory days. So I would write out, literally I'd write out my entire radio show script. <laughs> I can't believe I'm admitting this now, which like not just show notes. Like I'd like write out like pages upon pages of notes because I wanted to be so overprepared. Mm-hmm. And now you can just go talk on the radio without anything. But again, I think I learned so much mm-hmm. during those years working at CFMU and I learned how to conduct a good interview and and just the different things I liked about people I aspired to be more like. And right. yeah, it was a very, very influential experience here. What's your take on making mistakes and embracing failure? Because I'm guessing everyone, we all hate failing at things. So how did you deal with failure at the time or making mistakes? So what did you, how did you approach it? In the moment when you fail, it really sucks. It sucks, yeah, yeah. I know what you mean. <laughs> You're, you have it on this loop in your brain. You're like, why did I say that? Or I tripped on this word. But you can't succeed if you're not failing on the regular. Mm-hmm. And I think there's a difference, too. There's degrees of failure. Ideally, you don't fall completely flat on your face on national TV. That's not a, <laughs> that's not great. Um, but at the same time, I think you always need to be challenging yourself a little bit and pushing yourself out of your comfort zone because if you don't, you're never going to grow. Mm-hmm. And it's important too, when you do have those little slip ups or if we're going to call them the failures, what are you taking away from that? What are you learning from that? Because that's ultimately the next step. If you're not learning anything, it truly will be a failure Mm -hmm. because you didn't take anything away from it. It's recognizing, okay, this didn't go right or this could have been better. How do I change that for next time? Mm -hmm. And do you have an example, an experience you would would want to share? Oh, there's probably so many, like where (laughs) where to begin. I mean, it makes me laugh. When we started this interview, we were making sure we had the right mics. And that's something I remember when I was at CFMU. I'm sure there was probably more than one interview where my microphone probably wasn't on right or or someone was on the wrong mic. So, again, that teaches you, like, always triple check before before you start recording and and make sure and save backups, too. Like, Mm -hmm. always save backups of things. That's huge. (laughs) Um, I always say I think the more prepared you can be, the better. And I apply that not only in broadcasting but in sports. I think something I always go back to is the GOATs of their sport, right? Like the Tom Brady, the Sidney Crosbys, mm-hmm. the Roger Federer, et cetera, et cetera. Yes, they're extremely talented, but they're also some of the hardest workers in the room. And they put the prep work in. They're often the first – to get to whether the pitch, the field, you name it, they're the last to go home. Like mm-hmm. they're reviewing plays. And I think the same can be said in broadcasting. That's something I learned really early too. Um, you're going to have some slip ups and some failures, but you'll feel more confident when you put the prep work in. Like confidence mm-hmm. doesn't just happen. It happens because you feel ready. You feel prepared for the moment and you've put the work in and you know that, you know, I'm ready to step into this moment because mm-hmm. I have been preparing for this moment. Right. Yeah, because I, I can relate to that, too, because when I do my first five shows, um, I was making little mistakes when I had the um, McMaster women's basketball coach in mm. three Burns. Um, so they had won the 
for the the U Sports Championship for the first time in history, and I had her in for the show. And uh, when the show started, I have the I have my headphones on. I'm looking at the the, the marker for the, for the volume, and I'm seeing when she's talking, it's not moving at all. I'm like, what's going Uh-oh. on? So I the saw, panic, the yeah, panic sets in. Yeah, the panic sets in. So she's sitting in the middle, and there's um, there's three mics, mm-hmm. and I'm well. I thought it's gonna be mic two in the corner, mic three in the middle where she was sitting, and mic four. So I had mic three on. Turns out she was sitting on mic four. Uh. I, I started playing with all the buttons. And luckily, within the first five minutes, it was like start hitting, like they start hitting the red, and we were good to go. So oh, you're good. right. Yeah, it's preparation is so important. I really had to, like, at least when I'm with my experience, I had to really get in the zone of okay, I'm going into the studio right now. I have to put myself in that that mindset mm-hmm. that uh, I'm gonna have to really my socks up at some point get ready yeah, yeah. well we've all we've all been there before so yeah it's a great place to learn and now then after after cfm you went got, got into tsn not right away oh okay. gosh no there was a long long journey um right. so while i was at cfmu i was still working for the family channel on the side i was doing a bunch of different things i did some work for the cfl um i was constantly chasing side projects so mm-hmm. i was working in production a little bit too I worked for the Pan Am Games, right? Um, and I did their well their tour across Ontario, and then we also stopped in a few cities in Canada. That was a great experience. Um, I worked for CBC and did their national morning program uh, and covered the Rio Olympics during that. I moved out to London, Ontario for a little while and worked in news there, and I worked for Maple Leaf Sports Entertainment as well for their mm-hmm. Toronto Marlies team, a little bit with their Toronto Maple Leafs team and with their alumni as well. And it was from CBC that I jumped to TSN. Uh, TSN had seen my work on CBC and asked me to come in for an interview. And you don't turn that opportunity down <laughs> when it presents itself because yep. that had been my dream job for so long. Right. And I've been at TSN now for just about three and a half years. Mm-hmm. So the journey has been a very, very, very long <laughs> one. It's had its ups and downs. It's had moments of uncertainty. But I think if you know your why and you're able to just figure out what it is you love about the job. And again, for me, it's always been the people. And I, there's a lot that I take away from sport mm-hmm. in particular. Um, I think that will help you ultimately continue to find career success. Right. You keep saying that, uh, like, in you, like in an interview with CFM, you said that once you figure out your why, mm-hmm. um, it's you'll, you'll, you'll know that what you're doing is so important. Um, and you got that from your professor at Mac. You've done your research. Yes. A little bit. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It was, um, I was doing my thesis and was one of my professors, Dr. Sevigny. And and I remember him just asking what it is I wanted to do after university. And I had a few different thoughts and and places I wanted to go. And he's like, well, why is it Mm -hmm. that you want to do what you want to do? And I think it's so easy to get caught on this hamster wheel of this is the next step I should do without necessarily stopping to take a moment and reflect and ask yourself, why do I want to do this? Why is this important to me? What impact do I want to have on the world and the people I interact with on a daily basis? And mm-hmm. how do I want to develop these relationships? And that was this great aha moment for me. And I always tell it to the next generation of students. Like if you're able to just sit down and kind of figure out what is your why? And that's not to say it can't change and refine itself over the years. But I think if you have that at the center of yourself and and you can approach that to everything, not just your career, but again, mm-hmm. to your relationships and why you say, yes or no to different opportunities and how you treat people like again i think it's so important to know 
the why and ask yourself, what is the motivation behind these decisions? Mm -hmm. Were there moments like these in your career? Like when you're like, oh, like, why am I doing this? And then you have that aha moment and you're like, okay, I'm on the right track. Mm -hmm. And I think, again, your, your why can slightly change, but it's probably going to be rooted a lot in the values that you hold deeply. And again, I, I go back to the long journey I've had to get to where I am today. And I stress that it was a long journey because I think it is easy to look at anyone with a job and you're like, oh, that's cool. And it, it's easy to think that happened overnight. And more often than not, these people have been working for a really long time. And I know in my own career, there were so many moments of uncertainty and I didn't know what the next step was. And I remember, you know, out of university, not making very much money mm -hmm. and not knowing what my next step was going to be or which direction I should go in. And I have to pay rent and I want to start saving. But at the same time, I don't know how, how I'm going to make this all work. And in those questions of doubt, you're like, okay, well, why am I doing what am I doing? Mm -hmm. And what am I passionate about? And how am I going to make this work? Mm -hmm. And that will motivate you to find that inner fire and that spark and that drive. And you have to work hard. You have to work really, really, really hard. But I think if you're able to marry your why with your passions, it can be pretty spectacular. Definitely. And in your moments of those uncertainty, like how, well, what role did your family play and did they support you? And because I'm guessing it's, people think nowadays that, you know, that you can always get, you can always figure things out by yourself. But nowadays it's, it's stress upon that you have to have help. Like you have to take help. Oh, like there's no way. I think, I feel like the, the term um, self-made, it's kind of overrated. 100%. I completely agree with you. Yeah. You have a network of people. I never would have been able to do any of the jobs that I've done without the support of my family. My mom is the first person that comes to mind because again, I go back to even being a kid and driving to those auditions. I was 13, it was my mom taking the time out of her day to drive me to and from Toronto. We were coming from Mississauga. There was often bumper to bumper traffic. I had four other siblings who were also pursuing their own dreams. Like my both my brother and my older sister were national athletes. Um, my younger sisters, they both, like everyone played a varsity sport. So everyone was involved in different extracurricular activities. And my parents, <laughs> amazingly, I thank them to this day, were able to balance it all. And as you say, it's a network of people that really help your dreams come true. And I also think that's why it's so important to try and give back to the next generation as much as possible. And I'm still young, but I see people up and coming and, you know, to realize, rely on those ahead of you and also try and help those who are trying to walk the path that you've helped carve. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, ultimately it is going to be that circle and we are community and it's all about relationships. And Definitely. there are so many people who've been so helpful mm -hmm. in my career. What advice would you give to people um, who want to step outside the comfort zone and embrace uncertainty because usually I feel like example of that is right now so I'm graduating in April and now Congrats. this Congrats. Yeah, thank you. You're yeah. approaching the finish line. I mean, exams are not done yet. So Okay, I'm you're not fully there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're in the midst of the, the grind. Exactly. Um, so there's always uncertainty after, especially when people are looking for full-time jobs. It's always that fear. So um, what advice would you give to people who are, you know, who don't want to step outside their comfort zone, but it's actually so important that you have to at some point in your uh, life. It's tough. I'd say try to get comfortable with being a little uncomfortable, <laughs> which is probably not what you want to hear. <laughs> and I would say that the benefits on the other side are worth it. 
Like it's going to feel a little scary, a little intimidating to push yourself out of your comfort zone, but it's so worth it down the road. Mm -hmm. And I would also say don't be afraid to reach out to those who've walked the path you want to walk before you. That was something I found extremely beneficial. I would email people constantly who had the jobs I aspired to. A lot of emails I never got a response from. Some emails I did get a response from. And I would go all across the city. I'd meet them for a cup of coffee or I'd jump on a phone call. And I would just pick their brain and ask them what worked for them, what didn't work for them, what they like about their career, what they might have done differently. And I found that so valuable to my own career. And again, some of those emails were a little scary to write off to a complete stranger Mm -hmm. who probably had no reason to help me out. But I think if you put yourself out there a little bit and you take that next step and you're constantly trying to grow and be better, hopefully, hopefully (laughs) down the road, it will be be all for the good. When you started interviewing, um, like for the Family Channel, you did interviews with Justin Bieber, Gomez. That's amazing. Did that was that uncomfortable at the time when you're interviewing such big celebrities and then now also at TSN? It wasn't. And I don't know if that's because I was a little naive because I was still young. I don't think I've ever really been that starstruck. That's not to mm-hmm. say it won't happen one day. I'm sure it will. Because I think for me, it's they're a person. They're mm-hmm. a person just like me, but they live a really different life. Mm-hmm. And I always try to approach it through the lens of what can I learn from you? And for some people, you just look at it and you think, oh, it's like a teeny bopper star. But whether it be Justin Bieber or you mentioned, you know, Selena Gomez or Demi Lovato, I had so much to learn from them because they had been doing these jobs since they were really young, like sometimes seven, eight years old. It's crazy. And they worked incredibly hard. And just the different perspective they had on life and different areas they knew so much about and the unique insight they were able mm-hmm. to offer. And, yeah, sometimes the, the questions were just fun, like, hey, what do you listen to on the radio right now, mm-hmm. whatever it might be. But at the same time, I think there's so much to take away from, you know, those young artists who are really carving their name for themselves and creating a space and also who had worked incredibly hard to get to where they are today. And, and there's so much to respect about that. Such a young age. I mean, I think Justin was what thirteen when you interviewed him for his movie. No, was he it? was probably about eighteen when he 18. when that mind. movie. Okay. Yeah, but I mean, he started when he was so young, though. He started so young, and I've always admired Bieber for stuff he's done. I know, like, he's always been really competitive when he was growing up. Mm-hmm. I've read up on him; like, he's so hardworking, and people just kind of they don't see that, and they kind of see the stuff he's done just recently. But um, yeah, you're so right. Like, it's hard to. It's it's really it's it's amazing how these guys have come up over the last uh, couple of years. And I think and again, there's obviously some people with larger followings, and the interview might attract a little more attention. But I go back to everyone you interact with in life has a story to share mm-hmm. and has their own unique way of looking at something and their experiences and how they've become the person they are. Mm -hmm. And you can read Humans of New York, like just a random person you meet on the street who has such a fascinating story to share. And I think it's up to you as an interviewer to uncover that. So towards the end of the show, I always ask guests, um, what what is the last word? Uh, What are the last words of advice? So what advice would you give to uh, two sets of students? So the first ones who are new to university, 
freshman. Mm-hmm. Um, and second, me, because I'm graduating. If you want to give me a job, too, it's totally up to you. <laughs> but it's Here's <fun>. your contract. <laughs> sign on the dotted line. So what, what advice would you give to those two sets of uh, students? Mm, that's a great <laughs> question. I would say for students coming to McMaster, get involved. That can be in one thing. Join a new club, a new extracurricular activity, um, try a different project, get involved, and just immerse yourself in that one thing. And maybe that'll lead to others. But again, we go back to pushing yourself out of your comfort zone, trying something different. Um, especially everyone is somewhat in the same situation when they come to university because you're all looking for friends and you're so eager to meet new people. But at the same time, university is a place, at least it was for me, to, to make those mistakes. And you have so many resources available at your fingertips. Mm-hmm. So use them and try something different. Had I never wandered down into the basement and stumbled upon CFMU, I don't know where I would be today. It would probably be really different. And again, I started the radio program that then led to a job that then helped me develop sports broadcasting. And now I'm here and it's step by step by step. So I would say for the students entering McMaster, try something new, get involved. For students graduating, I'm going to make this a very <laughs> practical tip because I think it's so easy to talk big, grand dreams. And I'm sure I could put a lot of advice on your mm-hmm. on your plate. But I'm going to say send five emails to people in five different jobs that you admire and ask to meet them for a cup of coffee. Wow. And if they can't meet for a cup of coffee, ask for a 15-minute phone call. Mm-hmm. And you can just... Pick their brain, what they like about their job, what they don't, how they got to where they are today, some of the most beneficial things that they've done in their own career, what they would have done differently. Just just pick their brain. 